Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm not Alex, I'm Holt. Alex uh, was kind of tired, so he decided not to, to join us tonight. Um, but I am here with uh, my good friend, the one and only, Tinder King of Memphis, JB, the underscore Brooks. JB, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well, Holt. Uh, it's kind of sad that uh, Alex is not committed enough to join us tonight. But you know what? You and I are going to roll through this, and we're going to do a pretty damn good job. What do you say? No, I'm right there with you. Um, unfortunately, Alex is not getting paid quite as much as Jimbo Fisher is, um, so his motivations are not completely all the way there. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I don't think he really knows a lot about Texas A&M, so I think this is just kind of his way to, um, you know, I guess kind of avoid any embarrassment. Because, uh, you know, a lot of teams we talk about he doesn't really know that much about, but I feel like Texas A&M, he really doesn't know anything about. Yeah, like it, for Texas A&M, like it's just one of those teams that I – that uh, Alex just, like, I, it felt like he was trying to get around this podcast somehow. Because, I mean, just like you said, like, he doesn't seem to have as much, have as much knowledge about Texas A&M as some other schools. But, you know, that leaves it to us. And uh, we definitely know more about Texas A&M than Alex does. Yeah. Alex might actually be a Texas fan, now that I think about it. It actually would make a lot of sense. Man, that makes him a tea sip. Yuck. But, anyway, this is the Texas A&M Preview Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, just gonna break down Texas A&M. Uh, just kind of some overall thoughts uh, for the first half of the show, and then the second half of the show, we're gonna break down the schedule game by game. Um, year two under Jimbo, or is it year three? Uh, it's year, year two. two. It is year two. That's year what I thought. Um, yep, it is year two. My mistake. Um, but anyway, he's got an awesome uh, true freshman class coming in. Um, a lot of really exciting players. Um, they lose some really exciting players from last year's team, but uh, I really like uh, the direction that they're going in. Um, you know, I know just like for me, like the thing that I look at with Texas A&M is physicality. If you listen to any of our other previews um, when we've been talking about Texas A&M on other team schedules, um, you know, I just feel like they're really going to improve their physicality this season. Um, they're kind of a soft team under Kevin Sumlin, more of a finesse team. And uh, I think Jimbo's been able to uh, establish – a little bit more physicality, and uh, you know Trayvon Williams does move does move on, but um, uh, Deshaun Corbin is a guy that you know obviously we're really excited about, and um, I actually got to see him play in person last year um, against Mississippi State, and he really does look the part. So I expect a big year out of him, and uh, Kellen Mond in his third year now, um, starting to turn into you know one of those guys that you're like, wow, that guy's still there. Um, so he's going to be a junior this year. Um, what what kind of stands out to you um, about the Texas A&M team this year, JB? Um, what I really like is uh, the offense. I mean, I, granted, they did lose Trayvon Williams and Jay Sternberger, but one guy that's coming in this offseason uh, that could be a, a potential breakout star for uh, A&M is Baylor Cup, and he fits in really well with uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher's offense. I think he's going to really command a lot of attention, even as a true freshman. That's going to allow guys like uh, Davis and Buckley to flourish. And uh, Kellen Mond, like, you know, he's a junior now. He's got a year of experience with uh, Jimbo Fisher in that offense. I think this offense can take another step forward this year. Uh, the biggest question to me is, like, this offensive line, you know, transitioning, you know, continue to transition into a more physic- physical offensive line compared to what they were recruited for when they came to play for Kevin Sumlin. But uh, I really like uh, this offense this year. I think it's going to take another step forward. And this, I think uh, Baylor Cup, though, that's the name to me that I think everyone needs to watch. I think he could be 
another bright star in the Sex A&M offense, just like Sternberger. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And, you know, definitely Sternberger was, uh, you know, the safety outlet for Kellamon last year. He was a really solid player and an all-conference player. Um, Kellamon could always kind of look to him on third down and anytime, you know, he needed a, a big catch. So uh, that's going to be really tough to replace. But, you know, they got some really good receivers. Um, a lot of these guys have played a lot. Um, Kendrick Rogers is a guy that um, I, I saw play a lot last year. Uh, have like some really big games. He had two huge games against Clemson and LSU. He didn't really do a ton outside of those two games, but um, I just really enjoyed watching him play. He just looks like an athletic freak. She makes a lot of huge catches. He's a really big guy. And, um, you know, another guy who was banged up a lot last year, but uh, um, Jamon Osborne. I know I'm not saying his name right. I never do. Deshaun. But uh, he's a oh, really – yeah, you got it right. He's a uh, he's a really solid player. He battled through some injuries last year, but he's going to be back this year. Um, really solid possession receiver for them. So that you know, Mon's got a lot of options to go to um, to kind of fill that void. And um, you know, obviously, second year in Jimbo's offense and third year playing in this conference, um, he's one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the SEC. And um, I definitely expect this offense to take a big step forward this year. Um, what about you? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And. Uh... As we know, the offense is going to take a step forward. Uh, the defense, on the other hand, last year uh, struggled at times. It's namely in the uh, secondary. And uh, the defense only has uh, projected around four starters back from last year's defense that uh, ranked uh, seventh in the conference. But um, the biggest problem with them is that they were um, 12th in the conference in uh, stopping the pass. Although they were really good at stopping the run, and I think they'll continue to be able to stop the run. But biggest question I have for them is their secondary, and uh, they got some pretty solid opponents uh, on their schedule this year. I mean, namely, they got to play Georgia, who arguably has one of the better... uh, They play Georgia and Alabama, who are the two best quarterbacks in the conference, and they're playing also Clemson, who has the best quarterback in the conference, so their uh, secondary is definitely going to have to grow up really quickly, especially when they have to play Clemson uh, in game two. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually really worried about their linebackers as well. Um, they pretty much lost all their experience there um, at that position. Um, you know, really the strength of this defense is going to be the, de- the defensive line. Um, it's a really good defensive line, and I really like Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator. Um, but it's really going to come down to how well that back seven comes together and uh, whether or not that defensive line can kind of carry this defense. Because um, they definitely have some question marks, and when you have to play – you know, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia, and even South Carolina, which is kind of a sneaky game as well for for Texas A&M. Um, you know, those are teams that really like to throw the ball and, you know, really going to try to challenge that secondary. So those are going to be a few games to uh, to really watch out for for Texas A&M this year. For sure. And, like, Texas A&M's uh, schedule is ridiculous. And um, we're probably about to get into that shortly. But uh, when you look at – when you glance at their schedule, I mean, that besides South Carolina, I feel like – Texas A&M might arguably have the toughest schedule in the conference. I mean, it's definitely doesn't set up really well for them. I mean, I think besides South Carolina, they're the only school in the country that has to play arguably the top three teams in the country with Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama, and with two of those three being on the road. Yeah, and it is definitely a very tough schedule. That's something that, uh, you know, obviously is one of the first thing you, things you notice about Texas A&M's season this year when you try to preview it is just – I mean, how good can they really be with the schedule that hard? I mean, you talk about at Clemson, at Georgia, at LSU. I mean, that's really tough. Not to mention having to play Alabama at home. Um, that's just, I mean, that's just a really, really tough schedule. And not to mention some other SEC West teams as well. I mean, even you know Mississippi State has given Texas A&M a lot of problems. Uh, I think Mississippi State's won that game three years in a row now. So it's definitely not a guaranteed win for Texas A&M. I mean, it's just a. A really tough schedule. There aren't a lot of easy ones on there. You know, they get Texas State and Lamar and um, Texas San Antonio. But other than that, it's pretty much a gauntlet. And, uh, you know, Jimbo's definitely going to have to earn his money this year. But, you know, I think Texas A&M could surprise some people this year and maybe jump up uh, into that, you know, that next tier um, kind of with LSU um, for that, that second tier in the SEC. Um, uh, I guess I guess what I want to ask, like, going forward is – um, with Jimbo recruiting the way he is and with the success he's had as a head coach, do you see Texas A&M as kind of um, like 
right behind Alabama as far as like being the second or third best team in the SEC West going forward? Absolutely. Like I am really behind uh, Jimbo Fisher and uh, the Texas A&M program. I've always looked at Texas A&M as a sleeping giant, not just in the SEC but in the entire country. I mean, they got all the resources to be uh, an elite program and a force to be reckoned with. I mean, they got the highest endowment in the co- in the conference. Uh, they got a huge recruiting pipeline in Texas. I mean, they got the Houston market nearby. Uh, not, not just that, but the entire uh, Texas market. Uh, they're the only school in Texas that's in the SEC that's going for them. Uh, they've got a great fan base, uh, best fan base in Texas. Uh, they've got an awesome stadium, up- updated stadium at Kyle Field. Uh, the facilities are on the come up, too. Their new uh, practice facility is really state-of-the-art. Uh, they're the um, well, like I said, the endowment's really good. Um, just everything at A and M is lining up now. Now they got an elite coach that has a national championship under his belt, and I think A and M is going to uh, be that program in the West that's going to get near Alabama's level, might and be challenging Alabama in the next couple of years. I mean, they are definitely on the rise. Yeah, that's a great thing. I mean, obviously, going out and hiring Jimbo Fisher was a huge hire for them, and you know, really. Basically just said that, you know, firing Kevin Sumlin and hiring Jimbo Fisher for all that money pretty much just state, you know, that they're tired of being, um, you know, kind of like a second-tier program, that they want to be one of the top programs in the country. And uh, I think Jimbo can get in there. I mean, he's rec- he recruits so well, um, you know, recruiting so important in the SEC and in the state of Texas. Um, obviously, you're having to fight off a lot of teams. But being, like you said, the one uh, SEC team in the state of Texas – uh, being able to sell um, players in the state of Texas that, hey, you can stay in the state, play in the best conference in college football, and win at a high level and play in front of some of the best fans in college football um, is a great selling point for them. And it's a great stadium, great facilities. I mean, just top of the line, pretty much everything. Um, so I definitely do agree. I think they can uh, get up to that, that level um, of being one of the top programs in the country. Um so it'll be interesting to see if they take that big step forward in year two, like a lot of teams do. Um, a lot of a lot of great coaches take that big step forward in year two. So I kind of look forward to seeing uh, what Jimbo has this year. Um, but you know, as we were talking about, I mean, that schedule is just so hard. They could be a really good team and still end up going eight and four, um, just because the schedule is so ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, and that's that's what I really hate is that this Texas A and M team could be improved from last year. But it may not be improved in the win-loss column just because of how tough the schedule is. Uh, it's just not – it's not – the schedule gods haven't done a good uh, deal for Texas A&M. And, you know, I forgot about that uh, – mentioning that LSU game too. I mean, I did mention that they have to play arguably the top three teams in the country. LSU is arguably a top five team, and they still got to play in Baton Rouge. And to end the schedule playing at Georgia and at LSU back-to-back weeks is t- a horrible – uh, you know, back-to-back games to be given, especially in the season when you're already banged up at that point. So it's definitely not a, a good schedule for Jimbo to deal with. But Jimbo's not going to make any excuses. He's going to have his, have these guys ready to play. And I expect A&M to uh, be a really solid team this year, despite the schedule. Yeah, and then, I mean, you look at their quote-unquote easy games, and, you know, you look at, like, Ole Miss on the road, which has generally been a passing team, and they have some really good receivers that can maybe take advantage of that Texas A&M secondary. And then, you know, you look at Arkansas, um, which had Morris in year two that kind of looks to take a little bit of a step forward this year. Um, You know, has some really talented uh, young receivers and is also going to be looking to push the ball down the field. So this this secondary is definitely going to get challenged even by some of the, you know, the lower quality teams on their schedule. So... Um, you know, this is just, you know, this defense is really going to have to come together and the offense may have to carry this team, especially early in the season um, in some of these matchups. Um, but I do have one more question before we get into the schedule. Um, I mean, it's not really a question because I already know what your answer is going to be. But, um, like, I mean, I don't even know how to phrase this in a question. But basically what I'm getting at is that Texas a and and Texas, like, need to play each other. Like, why is this game not being played? Uh, you can ask uh, both sides. Uh, both sides are only going to blame each other. But in all honesty, I think now uh, Texas A&M is just um, to the point where they don't need Texas anymore. Uh, I'm not saying that that's what history has been, but Texas A&M is basically saying 
to uh, Texas and the other schools in that state that they don't need to play them. Like, they already have a great schedule now, and uh, they don't need to play Texas. Texas needs Texas A&M on their schedule a lot more than Texas A&M needs Texas because you look at the schools that are coming into Austin now with the uh, depleted Big 12, like, there's not a lot of great teams coming into Austin anymore uh, because that conference has been so depleted. A&M's got, you know, marquee SEC schools coming into College Station every year, and they're making great road trips. Like, they basically swapped road trips to Waco, Texas, and Manhattan, Kansas for Athens, Georgia, and Auburn, Alabama. I mean, you tell me. I mean, A&M doesn't have to schedule Texas anymore. It's Texas that needs A&M a lot more. But, I mean, you have to, like, miss the game, though, right? You have to miss the rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I definitely miss the rivalry, and I definitely would like to see it renewed sometime but i don't think it'll ever come to the point in the future where they will both play every year like you know florida florida state or uh clemson and south carolina or georgia georgia tech yeah i mean it's just it's just really sad when you think about it like i just think about the players i mean think about the fans too but i really just think about the players and how i just feel like they're really robbed of like their college experience by not getting to play in that game i mean i just feel like that's such a huge deal for that state and it's such a big game to play in and, you know, even when you're having a disappointing season, when you have that big rivalry game at the end of the season, like, it's a big game. And it's a, like, when you play in a big rivalry game like that, especially in an in-state rivalry, like, there's just something completely different about it. It's just, uh, it, I can't really even explain it. But, I mean, obviously, everyone listening loves college football as much as we do. And, the, you know, they understand where I'm coming from. And just the fact that those players have to miss out on that game, like, it just... It really sucks. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I feel like every player should get the opportunity to to play at that game, to play in that game during their career. Yeah, I mean, that, it was one of my favorite rivalries uh, growing up, like the Lone Star Showdown. And they always played on uh, thanks. They usually played on Thanksgiving a lot of times, and some nights they would play on. Sometimes they play on Black Friday, but they'd always play on one of those two days, uh, and it was always an uh, always an awesome game. And I really hate that the series is not going to continue or. Or he's not being played anymore. I mean, I think one day they might get a home and home series. I, I know that uh, the college football playoff and like you know bowl committees they would love to match up these two schools, but it just hasn't been able to happen yet. But I do think they will play within the next decade, either in a home and home, or uh, you know in some kind of other means like through, through the bowl or college football playoff. Yeah, that would be really awesome if they could play in a bowl game. Like some bowl game would really luck out by getting that matchup. Yeah, the Texas Bowl in Houston would be great, but uh, that would mean both teams were mediocre, which I don't expect from Texas A&M and shouldn't be expected from Texas with Tom Herman, especially with no competition in the Big 12 except for Oklahoma. Okay, so one more question before we get into the schedule. I know I said the last one was the last question, but I got one more. Um, in 2020, who has the better record between Texas A&M and Texas? I'm going to go with Texas A&M. Why's that? Well, now you put me on the spot. Uh, Texas A&M is in the SEC, which is going to be a lot tougher schedule. Texas, I mean, they're, they're recruiting really well under Tom Herman, and this is kind of a uh, reload or rebuild yeah, year for I feel them. Like, I feel like neither team is completely where they want to be this year, but I feel like next year both teams should be, like, no more excuses. Yeah, you know I, mean? I agree. But it could be Texas that has the better record just by default of them being in the Big 12 yeah. with the much easier schedule to roll through. I mean, you look at Oklahoma, like it's – if they finish worse than 11-1, and one, that's a failure for Oklahoma. If you're a top-five team or even a top-ten team in the Big 12 and you finish with, uh, you know, two losses, that's a bad season. If you finish with two losses in the SEC, you're still in the uh, college football playoff hunt. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the schedule. Um, you know, obviously we've been talking about how difficult it is. Um, they open up the season on a Thursday night. So we will definitely be watching this game since it's probably going to be one of the only games on. Um, Texas State comes to College Station. Um, anything anything uh, you got to say about this game, or is it just move on? Uh, I mean, before we move on, I will give some credit to Texas State. Uh, they've had some really good teams in the past at the FCS level, but not anywhere near Texas A&M's level. Texas A&M should roll through this one. Yeah, Big game for Deshaun Corbin in this one. Um, okay, week two, this is the big matchup, really fun matchup. They travel to Clemson to face Trevor Lawrence and uh, his incredible stable of receivers. Um, you know, I hate to, like, drill over him too much, but Trevor Lawrence is probably the best college quarterback I, I think we may have we may see 
Um, as far as just being like a highly touted recruit, a great player, and a great NFL prospect, like he pretty much checks like every box across the board. He may be like the most hyped, talented, um, complete quarterback uh, that we've seen. Uh, what do you, do you agree with that, or how do you feel about that? Oh yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think he's the best uh, prospect coming out of college football for the NFL draft in a couple of years. He'll be the biggest prospect to me since Andrew Luck. I remember the. Um, I think that a lot of teams that year were calling the uh, suck for luck year. Back in 2011, a lot of teams were trying to tank to get Andrew Luck, and Indianapolis Colts ended up, I think, only winning, what, one game that year or something and ended up getting luck. This is going to be the similar for uh, Trevor Lawrence when he's a junior. He's that good. Like, if he was coming out of the – going into the NFL draft in 2020, he would be the number one pick. Uh, he, like you said, he checks all the boxes – he can make all the throws. He's got an incredible arm, incredible accuracy, really great IQ too for a freshman, and, and, and so much poise as well. Like he completely shredded Alabama's secondary in the national championship game, and and he's got great receivers too. But like you said, like he and plus he's got you know the size as well. Like he's got everything that you want in a quarterback, and he's going to be an absolute star in, in the next level. You know, granted that he stays healthy, he will be a star. Yeah, and uh, Travis Etienne back at running back as well, who was a Heisman candidate last year. So just absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball for Clemson. It's going to be really tough for that Texas A&M defense. Um, But this actually was a pretty close game last year. I know this is before uh, Trevor Lawrence kind of took over as a starter. This was still kind of Kelly Bryant um, playing most of this game last year. Uh, But it was a really close game. Uh, I think most Texas A&M fans would say that they should have won this game. I would tend to agree. Um, kind of a rough call there on a fumble near the goal line um, that was not reviewed properly, in my opinion. Uh, but still a, a really good game last year. I think a lot closer than people expected. And, uh, you know, Clemson is not like Alabama. Clemson doesn't, like, just roll through their schedule and just beat everybody by 100 points. They, they'll play some close games. Um, you know, they've been kind of pampered all off season. Everyone's telling them how great they are coming off the national championship, how they're going to win two more. Uh, before Trevor Lawrence goes to the NFL and and all of that, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas A&M came out and kind of punched him in the mouth a little bit and maybe gave him a scare early in the game. But I just think Clemson's offense is just too much, and uh, Texas A&M secondary um, against these these receivers and that quarterback, like I just don't I just don't know if that's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, this is really the worst matchup that Texas A&M could have early in the season with their secondary is playing uh, arguably the best quarterback in the country with uh, one of the best uh, group of receivers as well and a great running back. I mean, this offense is absolutely complete, and uh, they're going to score a lot of points. And that it's not the best matchup for Texas A&M. It's what worries me. But I think that this game could have a lot of scoring because uh, Clemson's defense uh, lost a lot of guys from their last year's team, especially on the defensive line. And, I, you know, knowing Jimbo Fisher, like, he's very familiar with this Clemson team and uh, how Dabo runs things. And uh, he knows, you know, going up against Brent Venables in that defense, like, he's going to have his offense ready. And I think they're going to be able to uh, keep up with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Clemson's offense for pretty much most of the game. I think it's going to be a lot of scoring. I think this game's going to finish in the 30s. But I'm going to give the edge to Clemson because their defense is a little bit better than A&M's and they're at home. But I don't think this is going to be a uh, blowout. You know, not even a non-competitive game. I think this will be competitive for four quarters. But I think ultimately Clemson uh, seals it in the last few minutes of the game and uh, squeaks out a big one. Yeah, and I mean, like you were saying, I didn't even bring up the Texas A&M offense versus Clemson's defense. But, you know, I, I do think Clemson's defense is probably a little bit overrated coming into this season. You know, they lose their entire defensive line pretty much from last year that was so talented. And uh, they're really, um, they're really solid uh, on the defensive uh, side of the ball, or they were a season ago um, on the defensive line. But a lot of those guys have moved on. Um, the secondary really struggled last year. It was not one of the better uh, secondaries in the country. They really struggled in some games last season, um, especially against some uh, quarterbacks that could actually throw the ball a little bit. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Texas A&M is able to put up some points in this game, especially early. Um, but I just think being at Clemson, and I just, I I just think it's too much uh, for Texas A&M to go up there and get the win. Uh, but that being said, if if Texas A&M went up there and won this game, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, I I probably don't speak for JB when I say that. I was actually um, really wanting to pick Texas A&M in this game just to be like a little bit bold. 
But uh, after you know looking over this defense a little bit closer, I'm just not really sure I can uh, make that statement. Yeah, and I, I mean I can't blame you either. So uh, what is that? That makes it a one and one start for yeah. an A&M. And then they travel home and face Lamar. Um, I don't think we really need to talk about this game much. Texas A&M should uh, get back in the win column. Yeah, chalk that one up. And then, then uh, next <laughs> week we got the Auburn Tigers coming in. You know, we actually just did the Auburn preview last week. And, uh, you know, we really like Auburn this year. We think that uh, they have a chance to be really good. Um, you know, I don't know if people are, like, sleeping on them, I guess. But I, I definitely think that us collectively as a podcast believe that Auburn is a lot better than they're kind of getting credit for. Um you know, in this preseason. But this game is at Texas A&M. Um, what are your feelings on this matchup? Yeah, when we touched on the Auburn preview, like, we really do like this Auburn team. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the more improved teams in the conference, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. But uh, this is a game that I actually have Auburn slipping up, and I have picked uh, Texas A&M to win this. And it's mainly because of, uh, I think, Kellen Mond is going to be able to uh, – lead this team against this Auburn defense and score enough points. And I think that uh, when you look at Auburn's offense and A&M's defense, Auburn's offense is still going to be kind of inexperienced. And uh, they're going to be playing on the road in a really hostile environment. And I think that Kellen Mond and his offense is going to be able to get enough points against this Auburn defense and hold off Auburn's offense enough. They'll be able to uh, squeak out a big win at home in their first big home game of the year. Yeah, and I mean, to me, um, a lot of these matchups are, or a lot of these games are all about matchups. And, you know, obviously, Texas A&M gets this game at home. Um, I think Texas A&M is maybe going to be a little bit more susceptible to teams that pass the ball. I think Auburn's going to be more of a running team this year. And I think Texas A&M's defensive line is going to be able to have a big game in this one and kind of slow down that running attack by Auburn. And also really like uh, Kellen Mond going up against this Auburn defense. Auburn's you know, front seven is really good, uh, but they do have some holes in the back end. And I think Kellen Mond and those receivers can uh, create some big plays. And, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily going to be like a really high scoring game. I see this game maybe being like a, you know, like a 27-21 type game. But uh, I, I like Texas A&M in this one to get the win at home. Yep, I like that pick too. So uh, next game we've got, they're playing the Arkansas Razorbacks in Arlington, Texas. Uh, this series has been one of the best in the past, um, what, ever since Texas A&M has joined the conference, this has always been a pretty good game. But for the most part, Texas A&M has always come out on top. But Arkansas has yet to uh, beat Texas A&M since joining the conference. Am I correct? Yeah, uh, Texas A&M is undefeated against Arkansas. But it's, it is always a close game, though. It is. And there's there's a few games where Arkansas probably should have, could have won, but uh, weren't able to make enough plays. And A&M is you know, made the plays in this series, and that's why they've come out on top every time. Right. I mean, they had uh, 14 and 15, both went to overtime, and then 17 was a there was that crazy 50-43 to 43 game. So, uh, and I mean, even last year, like, Arkansas was really struggling. It was still a seven-point game. I know it probably wasn't that close the whole game, but, you know, the final score was only a touchdown, so definitely a closer game than you would expect. Um, you know, I definitely think this is, you know, I don't want to say, like, a true rivalry but it's definitely you know trending that direction i think this is a big game for both teams and uh this is a game that uh texas a&m really needs to keep in the win column uh you don't want this to turn into a um you know a a you know 50 50 shot like you win one year then they win one year this is a game that texas a&m really needs to dominate and uh win pretty much every year yeah i agree for sure and I know it's in Arlington, Texas. I know it's because of that uh, signed agreement they made before they even became uh, conference rivals. But one day I'd like to see this become a home-and-home home series. I, I'm sure that uh, Arkansas fans would love to see Texas A&M coming to Fayetteville and then Texas A&M fans vice versa. And I, I do like uh, the direction that Arkansas is going to be going in, going with with uh, Chad Morris, but they are not going to be there yet. I mean, I do think they're going to be an improved team this year, not just on the field but in the win-loss column. But they are not at the level where I think they can compete with Texas A&M, and I think A&M is going to be able to uh, really take care of business in this game and uh, win by double digits. Yeah, and this is going to be maybe one of the first bigger tests for this uh, Arkansas offense. Um, you know, we want to see some improvement in year two. Obviously, they got the grad transfer quarterback uh, from SMU, and they got a few, a couple of transfer quarterbacks, I believe. Um, they're coming in this year, so. This would be a good opportunity to see like how well how well they've or how much they've improved on the offensive side of the ball. 
Um, you know, obviously, Rakeem Boy is a really solid running back. I mean, pretty much every SEC team has a really good running back, at least one. Um, and then, you know, they got some really talented, highly recruited freshman receivers, but, you know, we don't know what to expect out of those guys. They may come in and make an impact. They may not do anything. You know, we, we just really don't know. Yeah, we really don't know at all. But, you know, that's still a really good win for Texas A&M. Uh, their second conference win of the year. And that will put them at, what is that, 4-1 and one going into a bye week before they have their biggest home game of the year in mid-October on October 12th. Uh, when the Alabama Crimson Tide roll in the college station, and Alabama will likely be an undefeated team at this time, and then we'll have one loss. Uh, Alabama may be the number one team in the country, and then A&M is probably going to be a top ten team. Uh, CBS will probably be there. It'll be a really hyped matchup. Maybe game day will be there too. If not game day, SEC Nation. So they'll. It's going to be a really, really great atmosphere in College Station this game, and I'm really excited to see it. Uh, what's the biggest matchup? that you're looking for Holt well I mean that's the the tough thing is I can't I hate I really hate to keep going back to Texas A&M secondary but you know it's just they face so many teams this year that can really throw the ball and obviously Tua is you know was a great quarterback last year I think he probably should have won the Heisman Trophy um just in my opinion I know a lot of people disagree with that but that's just my opinion I think he's just a really accurate passer um I think they've got probably the best receiving core in the country um with all those guys that they have back. And this is, you know, this Texas A&M secondary is really going to have to have a big year um, for Texas A&M. And, you know, I also expect uh, Alabama's all, uh, running game to be improved, and I also expect their defense to be improved this year. Um, so that that all those things put together, I mean, I just – I think Alabama's going to be a little bit too much. Um, you know, when you, when you look at Alabama's schedule – um, there's a couple games you look at and you're like, oh, maybe they could lose that one. And this is one of those games that I think a lot of people have circled um, that Alabama could potentially slip up. Um, but we're just going to need to see um, more from Texas A&M's back seven before we, you know, go that far. Because if if they're if they're if they or uh, I mean maybe not as bad as we think they're going to be, but maybe if, if they're just if they're not able to take a step forward and be like a solid unit then this Alabama passing game is really going to give them fits, and I don't know how they're going to be able to stay in the game. I agree. And, um, you know, like there's a lot of people that are thinking that Alabama is going to be not as good as last year and that they're going to lose maybe a game or two. I don't believe any of that whatsoever. Uh, I think Alabama is actually going to be a better team than they were last year, and that's saying a lot. And uh, I'm not going to disrespect this Alabama team at all. Like every, it seems like every year everyone's saying this is going to be the finally going to be the year that Alabama uh, takes a drop off in the Nick Saban era and loses a game or two. That's not happening. I think Alabama's more dangerous when they're coming off a uh, national championship loss or a loss that uh, derails their season and end up not winning the national championship. So I think Alabama's going to be more dangerous this year. They're going to be on a mission. But with that being said, this is the game that I have circled on the schedule for Alabama. That's going to be the toughest for them when they play in College Station. And I think this is going to be the closest game that Alabama's going to play all year up until when they probably play uh, uh, Auburn, which I think that's going to be a good one too. But I think this is going to be Alabama's biggest test going into College Station with a hopefully healthy Texas A&M team coming off a bye week. And with this being a top-10 matchup, I think this game A&M is going to be ready for this one. Jimbo Fisher is very familiar with Saban. He coached with Saban on his staff at LSU for a few years, so they're both familiar with one another. And we've always been saying that one day a uh, Nick Saban assistant is going to beat Nick Saban. I wanted, to, I really wanted to pick A&M this one, but I can't. They're, I just don't think they're there yet. But I do think that this game is going to be the toughest test Alabama faces all year. And I think Alabama only wins by single digits in College Station. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if, uh, you know, Texas A&M comes in this game with one loss and game days there and all that stuff. Um, you know, obviously that's what I'm picking at this point. So um, this has the potential to be like a huge national game um, with a ton of people watching. Obviously, um, you know, Kyle Field is going to be going absolutely nuts this game. And, uh, you know, the last time Alabama went to College Station, it was a you know relatively close game. Um, I think that was the first time we really saw Kellen Mond uh, opening some eyes was in that game. So, you know, it will be – kind of exciting to see uh you know this matchup and kind of what happens um but i think we're both going to go with alabama in this one and then uh, we're actually going to move on to 
the Ole Miss Rebels as the um, Aggies travel up to Oxford, uh, not too far from where we are right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, what are your uh, initial opinions of this matchup? Um, I'm really confident in uh, Texas A&M winning this one. I'm, I think Ole Miss is going to really uh, struggle this year. I mean, I think you know with the weapons they lost on offense and how bad the defense was last year and. I just not completely sold on Matt Luke being the guy at Ole Miss, and I think A&M is going to have a lot to prove and still a lot to play for uh, at this point of the season with only uh, potentially, uh, you know, with only one conference loss. And I think they go into Oxford, I think they take care of business and win by double digits. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, I'm kind of just of the opinion that Ole Miss's run defense is going to be terrible until proven otherwise. Um, seems like any time they go up against a half-decent running back, he has like 150 yards and at least like two touchdowns. So I definitely expect a big game um, out of the running backs from Texas A&M in this one. Um, you know, I think Ole Miss's offense might be good enough to uh, to maybe put a little bit of scare in uh, to Texas A&M's defense. But I think for the most part, Texas A&M is just going to be able to, you know, run the ball at will and kind of uh, establish their dominance in this game um, and get the win in Oxford. Uh, but then the next week, um, they're heading back to College Station to face uh, Mississippi State, the other Mississippi team. Um, luckily, Nick Fitzgerald has moved on. I think Texas A&M fans are pretty happy about that. Um, you know, most people, you know, most teams probably are not happy or not happy to see uh, Nick Fitzgerald move on. But I think Texas A&M fans definitely were. I don't know what it is about Texas A&M, but Nick Fitzgerald always seemed to have his best game uh, against Texas A&M. <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, uh, Mississippi State has kind of had A&M's number the last few years, and I think Mississippi State is one of those wild card teams. Uh, a lot of people are expecting them to take a step back this year. I am not necessarily sold on it because I think the offense is going to take a step forward this year with uh, likely Tommy Stevens being the quarterback. Cause I th- because I think that uh, you know Tommy Stevens is a guy that uh, Joe Moorhead recruited originally at Penn State, and he's a guy that fits uh, Joe Moorhead's system a little bit more with his RPO. And uh, the defense is still going to be, I think, really talented. I mean, they have to replace a lot of guys, especially on the defensive line. But Bob Shoup is, is a great defensive coordinator. I think the defense is not going to take as big of a setback as people expect. And I think the offense could be better. So they might still be an eight-win team next year, probably seven or eight-win team, right in the mid-pack of the West. And uh, this game, I think, is going to be competitive. But I like uh, A&M to uh, avenge the – of the last three losses against uh, Mississippi State and ultimately come out on top and notch the win in College Station. Yeah, I agree. And um, it's crazy to think that the last time that Texas A&M beat Mississippi State was when Dak Prescott was the quarterback. Um, and then Nick Fitzgerald, you know, wins three in a row. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go with Texas A&M as well. Um, I just think they're a safer team. I just feel like we know what we can expect more out of them. Uh, I feel like Mississippi State, there's just too many question marks right now for us to kind of say for sure that they would win a game like this. they go on the road and win a big game like this. Um, you know, that being said, I, I agree with you. Um, the defense was obviously one of the best in the country last year, in my opinion, was the best. Um, you know, they had three first-round draft picks on the defense, uh, but obviously those guys have moved on. Um, I, You know, they're going to take a step back, but is it going to be a huge step back or is it going to be a slight step back? Are they going to be a – you know, top 15 defense or a top 30 defense, and we just don't really know. Um, they have probably the best linebacking core in the SEC. Um, they got some solid pieces in the secondary and some solid pieces on the defensive line as well. But uh, the defensive tackle is probably the weakness of the defense, and I think Texas A&M is probably going to be able to run the ball with a little bit more success than they did last year. And, you know, I think on the other side of the ball, um, I think Texas A&M's defense is going to, um, you know, do just enough to uh, hold down the Mississippi State offense, which should be improved this year. But um, I just don't know if they have the receivers to, you know, to really take advantage of that Texas a secondary. I think they, um, you know, I just don't think they quite have enough. I think Colin Hill is a great running back. You know, as I say, pretty much every SEC team has a really good running back this year. And Colin Hill is, is definitely as good as any of them. And, uh, you know, he could have a big game, but I just I just don't know if Mississippi State has receivers to uh, to stretch the field against A&M in this one. And um, so I both picked Texas A&M in that one, so I think we both have them uh, with two losses. And how many wins? Um, so their record at the end of October and up to this point will be 6-2 and two going into November. And, of course, the next week uh, they got a breather with uh, UT San Antonio, which – 
I mean, I don't really think we have to discuss this one too much. I mean, I think we both know that uh, A&M is going to take care of business in this one and be at 7-2, and two, and then they're going to get a much-needed week off before they face the final stretch run with South Carolina and then going on the road to Georgia and LSU. Yeah, and I really feel like all three of these games are very losable. Um, this stretch right here has really the potential, you know, if they won all three to make this a, you know, a potential playoff team, like an argument for a playoff, and a team that they lose all three could have, you know, it could be seen as a really disappointing season. And I think either one of those things are possible. Um, I don't necessarily feel, feel great about them going on the road and beating Georgia, but I could see them going on the road and beating LSU, and obviously I could see them beating South Carolina at home as well. Um, that's probably the most winnable game of these of these three. Um, but, I mean, what, what do you think is the most likely scenario over this three-game stretch? Well, when I look at it, when I, when I look at from a, from afar, uh, their record's probably going to be 7-2. and two. And uh, they're going to be in a position where they still control their own destiny. Uh, they're only going to have one conference loss up to this point. Uh, and it can go either way. Uh, they could be in a position where if they win all three, they could possibly sneak into the playoff as a 10-2 and two team. Because if you win these three games, South Carolina, then at Georgia, then at LSU, that's a really impressive way to finish the season. Mm-hmm. And this is, going to be, this is going to be fresh on the college football playoff committee's minds. And in that scenario, I don't know how you can keep A&M out of the playoff, depending on how other teams fare. But also, this could be a scenario where if they win two out of three, uh, they, they're probably going to be end up uh, going to a New Year's Six Bowl and playing a marquee opponent. Maybe play Texas. Play Texas mm-hmm. again. That would be huge. But uh, I do think uh, the first game at home is the most winnable win. And I, I, I do like uh, A&M in this one. So that's going to really put them in a position to where they would only need to win one of the next two to make a New Year's Six or do the unremarkable and win both of them and be a possible contender for a college football playoff spot. Yeah, and obviously um, if there's one team in the country that can kind of you know, stick their nose up at A&M's schedule, it might be South Carolina. Um, South Carolina playing uh, North Carolina and Clemson out of conference and then obviously you know, having to play Georgia and Alabama as well. Um, really, really tough schedule for South Carolina. Um, the, my own, my question for South Carolina this year, and I've mentioned this a few times, is, you know, they're gonna lose. The question is like, how do they respond to those losses? Like, do do they like compound and do they self destruct and like start blaming each other, or do they come together as a team and have kind of like this, you know, you know, we're not facing the gauntlet, we are the gauntlet type of mentality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like something right. kind of like that. <laughs> um, so that that would be cool to see. Um, you know, or interesting to see. I guess I should say. Because uh, I think South Carolina is good enough to win this game, but it's just they're gonna have a few losses and probably a few bad losses, um, you know, before this game. Are they gonna be beat down? Is everyone gonna be you know ragging on Muschamp and whatever? Like I mean, it, it's just like I feel like they could be in two completely different places when this game comes around. And obviously, I just feel I feel like Texas A&M's a little better team, and they're at home, and I like Jimbo Fisher more than uh, Muschamp, so I'm gonna go with Texas A&M in this one as well. Yeah, and like when you look at this, uh, if South Carolina wins at least half of their gauntlet, they're going to be in a really good position going into this game. But if they lose all the games they're expected to lose in that gauntlet going into this one, then there could be a lot of uncertainty in Columbia at this point in the season. And, and who knows how uh, you know motivated this team is. But like you said, I'm definitely more of a Jimbo Fisher fan than Will Muschamp. I think he, Jimbo Fisher is the best saving assistant. I mean, that's not really an argument. I mean, he's definitely the best saving assistant. I mean – his uh, resume speaks for himself. I am going to Texas A&M in this one, like I said earlier. I think A&M uh, wins by double digits over South Carolina because I, I think at this point South Carolina is going to be reeling. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. Um, so we're going to have them at, uh, was it 7-2, 8-2? 8-2. Yeah, 8-2 heading into these last two games, uh, probably two of the toughest games of the season. <laughs> um, traveling to Georgia – um, you know, obviously, I think like preseason number three in the country, you know, really uh, highly recruited team, a uh, team that has been very close to beating Alabama each of the last two seasons and has not been able to close the deal. Um, you know, we really like Georgia, but also Curry Smart has shown the last two years that there's always like that one game that he just like completely doesn't show up for. There was the Auburn game two years ago, and then there was the LSU game last year. So, you know, you kind of wonder, like, is this a trend? Is it a coincidence? Um, 
What do you feel about Georgia in this matchup? Yeah, this is really intriguing to me because if my predictions hold true, Georgia is going to be coming off uh, their first loss of the season at uh, Auburn the week before. So this could be a uh, really major game, not just for the SEC, but for the entire playoff chase. I think A&M's going to be 8-2. Georgia's going to be 9-1. This could be a potential uh, playoff elimination game at this point. I think both teams are going to be in the top 10. Uh, this is going to be a really hyped game. This will be the first uh, first t- time that Texas A&M and Georgia have faced off as conference rivals, so that's a, a first in history here. But uh, Georgia coming off that loss the previous week at Auburn, I think they're going to be highly motivated coming back home to Athens, and uh, they're going to play really hard in this one. I think that Georgia, with their home crowd behind them, will pull out a close win against this uh, really good A&M team. Yeah, and I th- I think this is going to be a close game as well. I mean, obviously coming off the, you know, the big matchup against uh, Auburn, which I also picked uh, Auburn to win that game. Um, you know, I almost feel like that's kind of like a bad thing for Texas A and M, having Georgia coming off a loss. I almost feel like it would be a better situation if uh, Georgia won like a really close game in Auburn. That would probably be the ideal scenario in my opinion. Um, I'm actually going to go with Georgia in this one. Um, Obviously, they're at home, but I just feel like they're a more complete team. I just feel like there's way less questions about this team. And, um, you know, but as I said, Kirby Smart has shown that there's, like, that one game a year where you just kind of leave scratching your head wondering, like, what happened. Um, Maybe that's this game this year. Maybe not. Um, Yeah, I definitely think Texas A&M has the, you know, the pieces in place to go up there and get a big win and uh, really, you know, solidify themselves. And if they win this game, you know, they're going to be – in the running for the playoffs. So this is going to be a huge game um, if it kind of holds up the way we think it will. Um, this has a chance to be a, like a really, really big game. So, um, you know, I'm going to go with Georgia in this one, but just because I feel like they're a little bit more of a complete team. I love their offensive line. I love Sam Pittman, um, the offensive line coach. I think, you know, they got like 25-star running backs to give the ball to. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, you know, Jake Fromm is, you know. Extremely poised. Yeah, like, great I mean, player. He's not – flashy but you know he just gets the job done and that's what you look for in a college football playoff or college football quarterback and he puts up numbers too I mean it's not like he you know I mean he kind of got the game manager label as a freshman and you know he's not super flashy but I mean what he threw for like 350 yards against Alabama in the SEC championship game last year I mean he's definitely got some ability um you know and he's a potential first round draft pick um, at quarterback, so I mean, obviously, like NFL scouts rave about him. He's really highly recruited, and he puts up big numbers. I mean, I, he kind of gets his, you know, game manager label, but I think that's a little bit unfair. I think he's a lot more than that. Um, you know, I just, you know, as I said, I mean, I just there's just so many less questions about Georgia. They're just such a much safer pick, and they're at home. I mean, I just yeah. have to go with Georgia in this. Yeah, one. if this game was in College Station, <clears throat> I would almost uh, go with Texas A&M in this one, but. Georgia being at home and having one loss and coming off their first loss of the season, uh, their backs are going to be against the wall. They're going to have to win this one. Uh, and I, I, got, I got Georgia in this one. So that will put A&M at 8-3 and three, uh, going into the rematch with LSU and Baton Rouge. And this is a game that I – this is the rivalry that I've been wanting to see emerge, and I think it's finally emerging, Holt. Yeah, but I agree. It's not quite on the level of Arkansas-Missouri – but it is <laughs> it is a solid rivalry. Um, I'm glad that AM finally got the win last year. Um, you know, our longtime listeners will remember um, our first ever preview last year. We previewed Texas A&M, and we actually picked them to break that streak against LSU, and they they were able to do it. They finally got that win over LSU um, first time since they joined the conference. So, um, obviously, a really crazy game. Actually, it's a funny story because I was actually uh, uh, with JB. Um, I was actually with you um, when this game was going on. And I can't remember what happened. I think it was like an interception or something with like less than two minutes left. And A&M didn't have any timeouts left. And LSU was winning. So we just like changed the channel. And then like 30 minutes later, I was just like on Twitter. And I was like, wait, this LSU A&M game is still going on? And you're like, no, it's over. And I'm like, that's what I thought. Because like, you know, they, you know, they got the interception and then like whatever. And it was over. And then they, you know, poured the Gatorade on Edge Orger on and everything. And so we changed the channel. I was like, no, man, like, they're saying it's still on. And we flipped it back over, and they're in, like, the second overtime. And yeah. then it ends up going, like, seven overtimes. Yeah, like, we we had already flipped the channel thinking the game was over. Because, I mean, it just seemed like that's what the history in the series has been, that LSU would always just make that one play at the end of the game that would seal it. 
But uh, that wasn't meant to be, and Texas A&M finally got that monkey off their back and finally beat their, you know, their new conference rival LSU and had a few few uh, punches thrown at the end of the game too between uh, uh, A&M's what was it an A&M uh, water boy and a uh, LSU assistant coach. I don't even remember what happened, but all I rem- now that you bring it up, I do remember that there was like this whole thing about it because like it seemed like every day there was like a new camera <laughs> angle that came out. Yeah. Apparently it was um, Cragthorpe from LSU that was involved with it potentially, and uh, I think it may, it was it probably one. Of, I think it was a trainer. It was like wasn't it somebody's son? I thought it was like somebody famous' son. I think it's like I, th- I, th- I don't know if it's been proven, but I think a it's a, re- a nephew of Jimbo actually. Oh, okay. yeah. So I mean that's that was really interesting that that happened, <laughs> but uh, that was the beginning to me of what is going to be one of the SEC's best rivalries in the next five years, but. When you look at it, uh, LSU is going to probably be nine and two going into this game. A and M is going to be eight and three. A and M at this point will be in position where if they get a win, they'll likely go to a New Year's Six bowl. With the loss, they're probably going to go to Orlando and play in the Citrus Bowl, which is not a bad consolation either. They'll probably play a high end Big Ten team, maybe get a rematch with an old uh, Big uh, Big Twelve rival in Nebraska. So that'd be good too. But LSU at this point, uh, if they get a win, they still might have an outside shot at making the playoff with two conference losses. So I think LSU, to me, has a little bit more to play for. And with also the revenge factor being at home, uh, their fans are going to be out for blood. And I think, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Hold, I think they did approve alcohol sales in Baton Rouge at Tiger Stadium. I think they're one of the schools in SEC that approved it. And man, what an atmosphere it's going to be that night in Baton Rouge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be absolutely I mean, it was already rowdy beforehand, but I can't even imagine now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I like Texas A&M as a team a little bit more than LSU this year. Um, but, you know, it's just so hard to pick against LSU and Baton Rouge. And, um, you know, as you were saying, LSU has a decent chance to come into this game with, um, you know, only two losses. And if A&M is able to take care of their business and maybe pull an upset somewhere along the way, whether it be against Clemson, Alabama, or Georgia, then you could have a potential matchup with two two two-loss teams that actually have an outside shot to make the playoff, especially A&M. A&M would have a great shot to make the playoff with two losses. I mean, LSU would have a good shot as well. Um, So you could end up having a scenario where this game is kind of like a a playoff game, even even if Alabama is undefeated. Yeah. And has already clinched the SEC West. There's actually an outside shot that Texas A&M and LSU could be fighting for a, a, the last playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a scenario. I think if both teams are nine and two, or if one team has two losses, the other has one loss. I think it could be a scenario where the winner gets the f- fourth and final spot in the playoff, and it'll leave a lasting impression on the college football playoff committee too. Because I mean, there there's going to be some really top heavy teams in the SEC this year. I think. Uh, obviously, Alabama and Georgia are going to be at the top, but I think that uh, Auburn, Texas A&M, and LSU are all teams that could, you know, get in that conversation as well. Yep, I agree. And um, so that's kind of the end of the schedule. So we have them at. Um, uh, did you pick LSU? I did pick LSU just because I, you know, with them being at home, and I'm, I alluded to in the LSU podcast, LSU doesn't lose a big home game. Unless it's Alabama. But mm-hmm. between all the other big opponents, they always win that big home game. Yeah, they definitely do. And uh, so that would put Texas A&M at 8-4. It feels like, you know, we were talking about the playoff. We were talking about, like, all this other stuff. And then we have them at 8-4. and four. Um, Maybe it seems a little bit disappointing. But, I mean, really, that has more to do with their schedule than it does, I think, like how we feel about them. Yeah, and, I mean, for sure. I mean, at, at Clemson, at Georgia, um, you know, Alabama at home, I mean – those are the three best teams in college football, probably, or th- you know, definitely the two best teams in college football. And then right. Georgia is, is like top five. LSU is definitely nothing to sneeze at, you know, especially playing them at Baton Rouge. So I mean, you know, I mean, I know Texas A&M fans are probably tired of hearing it, but the schedule looks to be really difficult. Yeah, and then when you look, when I look, when I did my projections for all the SEC teams, uh, I got Alabama in the playoff, but then I got three teams making the New Year's Six with uh, Auburn, LSU, and Georgia. And that leaves uh, the best bowl that's not a New Year's Six is the Citrus Bowl. And who's going to pick them? Who's going to Citrus Bowl going to pick up? They're going to pick A and M. I mean, they're going to be the next best team down. And the Citrus Bowl always has two really good teams in it. And I think that's going to be a really solid bowl. It's a step up from uh, the bowl that they played in last year, 
what was the bowl they played in? It was the, the Belk Bowl. Was it the Gator Bowl? It was a it was a Belk Bowl, wasn't it? It was Gator Bowl two yeah. years ago. Uh, right? actually, no, it was the Gator Bowl. I thought they played NC State in the Belk Bowl last year. I thought so too, but it's actually the Gator Bowl that they played them in. So, I mean, going from the Gator Bowl to the Citrus Bowl is definitely an improvement, and um, that's what I mean. Even though the like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, the win loss column may not be improved from last year, but the team's uh, performance on the field will be. It's just a product of the schedule. And I do think A&M is just one more year away from uh, getting up to the level where they could possibly challenge Alabama at the top of the West. And just like you said, Holtz, uh, be in that conversation where they're you know, are definitely the second best team in the West and being good enough to challenge Alabama. But uh, this is going to be a team that's going to take a step forward. They may not in the win-loss column, but just be patient, A&M fans. Your time is coming. Like They are absolutely on the rise, and I think by year three of the Jimbo Fisher era, you're going to be staring at something special. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it was the Belk Bowl uh, against Wake Forest two years ago was when they played in the Belk Bowl, and it was the Gator Bowl against NC State last year, just for clarification. Um, but, yeah, uh, I definitely agree. I you know I, We talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, um, you know, this – might be like kind of like another step forward, but maybe not that big step um, that Texas A&M fans are hoping for. Um, but you know, I mean, I've mentioned this a bunch of times this all season, probably just because there's so many second-year coaches in the SEC. But you know, the great coaches that have come through the SEC: Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, and a few others. They've really surprised a lot of people in their second year. And a lot of people thought that they were a year away, and then they came out and had a huge second year. Um, so maybe Jimbo can kind of surprise everybody and come out and have a big second year and like really make a statement, um, you know. But I do agree. I think year three is definitely going to be a really good year for Texas A&M. I mean, Mon's going to be a senior. Um, you know, they're going to have most of their players back. Um, they, just another year for those recruits to come in and for that defense to grow stronger. Um, you know, and, and the way Jimbo is recruiting, I mean, they're going to be absolutely loaded with talent. Yeah, and like when I mean, just looking ahead uh, to uh, year three, uh, if they don't lose any guys early to the draft, uh, you're looking at a scenario where they could have pretty much everybody back, with the exception of Michael Clemens, who's the lone senior that's a projected starter for uh, Texas A&M this upcoming season. So I mean, you're looking at a really loaded team and experienced team coming back in 2020. So there's a lot to look forward to in College Station. I think if this can if the perfect scenario happens where they get just, you know, if Kellen Mond will come back and then, you know, the other guys that don't declare early, like guys like uh, Davis or, uh, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, mainly Davis and uh, and uh, Kellen Mond. If those guys come back, like, it's going to be a really good year in 2020. I think they're going to be a preseason top – I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but – could be a, a preseason top five team in 2020 if everything comes together for them. Yeah, and I definitely agree. And um, I had one other thing I was going to say, but I totally forgot. So I guess we can just wrap up the podcast now. Yeah, wrap it up. Um, it may not be the result you, that the A&M fans want, but the future is bright in College Station. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, tell us we suck. Uh, you can email us at secslowsmoke to gmail.com if you want. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Brad's about to tell you all that in the outro. But just thought I'd reiterate, um, you know, we're obviously really thankful that you guys listen. And uh, if you guys are, like, regular listeners and you listen to, like, every podcast, I would really, really like a shout-out from you guys. If you guys want to tweet at us, just, like, let us know that you listen to every podcast. Because I know there's some of y'all out there. So just hit us up, and we'll we'll show you some love. You know, we make it big, we'll remember you. So, uh, anyway, JB, you got anything else? I don't. I think it's about time to wrap it up. And the next podcast we have will be another SEC West team. It'll probably be Mississippi State or Arkansas. So, hope you guys will tune in for that one. Until then, have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If 
you like this podcast, tell a friend, because there's plenty to go around.